The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. G'day world, this is the Sniper of the Skies, Robbie Eagles, and you are listening to Keeping It Strong Style. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Burial the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts On the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here with the young boy Josh Smith On today's show we will review night one of World Tag League And cover all this news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling Please support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network Or keeping a strong style on the podcast app of your choice And leaving a rating interview You can also get all the network's podcasts over at socialsuplex.com Check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, ProWrestlingTees.com Slash Social Suplex, that's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style t-shirt. And if you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and clicking on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. Young boy, happy Thanksgiving week. Happy Thanksgiving, Jeremy. And um, I'm so thankful that we only have one night of World Tag League to review. (laughs) Uh, no, I'm just I am being I am thankful for that. Um I think it's gonna be a good review though because the show was pretty positive. So I mm-hmm. think I've got some things to look forward to with this tournament. Um hopefully but you know it's always like this when uh when World Tag League first starts, they they kick it into high gear for those first couple Corkin shows and it, they get your hopes up and then by like night nine you're like the fuck are you doing? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> Especially yeah. when they're like in those like random like gymnasiums and it's like five hundred you know, people. This is how I know we're not the most of the like plugged in, tuned in, dialed in Puro slash New Japan shows because we still don't know the names of those. We have not memorized the names of those venues, and there are other podcasts where they're like, "Yeah, that's Shinkiba First Ring," and like you know they know exactly where it is, like. Yeah, where the, the crowd sits on this side and they, they, they routinely do fifteen hundred, blah blah blah. And we're just like, I don't know, bro. They're they're in Ota. <laughs> <laughs> they're in Japan somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> they're somewhere, but this is what happened on the show. Oh, um, before we jump into things, I did want to uh, last week we made mention of it. But you know, I, I again I didn't feel like it was the right time to kind of approach it just because of uh, having Chris on the show and everything with Kevin Kelly. But uh, for longtime listeners, you probably noticed that this and last week's episodes of Keeping It Strong Style are not brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for NJPWworld.com, um, because there is no more NJPW EXT. Uh, with the new 
um, launch of the NJPW World app. Uh, it's kind of nullified the necessity to have an extension browser for NJPW World. And so, uh, you know, longtime listener, friend of the show, and collaborator, Danny, of, you know, the, the owner and founder of the NJPW EXT, uh, pretty much, you know, let us know that going forward, um, he's not going to be doing that. And I just wanted to say thank you for, uh, Danny, for coming on this show, you know, several times in the past, helping us out, but also being a supporter, featuring us on that app um, and collaborating with us and, and being a sponsor and everything that you've done. Um, because, you know, there there are people that support us, but I think that the extension uh, is probably one of those things in the community that most added to what we do here, keeping a strong style. Yeah, I mean, it was great uh, having us like featured on New Japan World, technically, <laughs> with the extension. And I know a lot of people kind of found the show through that way. They're just kind of scrolling New Japan World and they see this banner for keeping a strong style. Um, so that was a, a huge win for us. And, you know, hit the chat feature, you know, during uh, COVID when uh, New Japan Strong was running every Friday night. We did some of those like Friday night uh, you know, group chat uh, things on the extension, and all watched New Japan Strong together and chatted. So that was cool. Um, yeah, the, the extension was awesome. It really did help. Uh, you know, navigate New Japan World. Um, like you said, yeah, it's, it's no longer needed because of the the new app and all the renovations that they did um, to njpwworld.com and all the new apps and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, shout out to Danny. Thank you so much for you know working with us, helping uh, keeping a strong stock get over. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, this business relationship does not end and there will hopefully be more stuff to come in the future in, in a different avenue. I, I, I've heard there might be some things in the pipeline, possibly, maybe. 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 <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. So, yeah. So, yeah, shout out to Danny. Uh, two other plugs uh, I want to get in before we jump into all we've got to talk about. Uh, first thing, so there are, are a couple of new shows now on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. So I know some of you subscribe just to the Keeping It Strong Style feed. I know some of you subscribe to just the network feed. And some of you subscribe to both. Um, so, uh, But we do have some great shows on the network. And we've got two new ones that are running regularly now. We have uh, Imp's WWE Adventure. So if you kind of want to get plugged in on what's going on in WWE and you don't want to listen to hours and hours of podcasts, Imp is giving you a 30-minute weekly uh, podcast, giving you the highs and lows, telling you what happened on Raw, NXT, SmackDown, pay-per-views. It's a good way to kind of keep up with what's going on in WWE. And then we got uh, our boy Chris Things is back on the network with Wrestling Art with Chris Things. And uh, he's doing a couple different things with his podcast. You know, one episode, you know, he's a, he's a wrestling artist. He does a lot of wrestling drawings and paintings. And so he's doing this match of the week thing where he draws or paints like a, a match and he brings a guest on. They, they talk about the match that that he that he drew and it's kind of the significance behind that match. And then he's also doing uh, interviews with other wrestling artists and kind of talking about their passions uh, for wrestling and why they got into to doing wrestling art uh, so it's a really cool concept nothing out there that's really like this and so it's a really cool thing yeah definitely and uh imp has been on this show as well as uh chris bryan slash chris things of uh uh the wrestling art with chris things both both of those guys have been here on the show previously and imp um 
was a longtime contributor over at Wrestling Headlines, formerly known as Lords of Pain, and is, you know, he's not in any means new to the podcast game, but this is the first show that he's ever done on our network. And, um, you know, I checked it out, Jeremy. I, I, I'm not regularly watching WWE, but I think the show is very good. And if you know me, I'm not going to put something, even <laughs> though it's on our network, <laughs> I'm not going to put it over if I don't actually like it or actually think it's good. I, I, if anything, I'd probably bury it if I thought it actually sucked. Um, but I do think it's good because it's it's just a 30-minute, in a nutshell, compilation of the major highlights of what happened that week in WWE. It's not like super, super in depth, but it's just kind of like with broad strokes, letting you know what's going on. And I kind of appreciate that because like if it was an hour, an hour and a half, two hours on the fed, like I'm probably not going to (laughs) listen, but um, I think imp does a good job. And I think that 30 minutes is more than enough. Uh, And it's, you know, high time that we had something covering WWE on this network again. So mm-hmm. I, I like that show. And then, um, you know, Chris, Chris Bryan's a good friend of ours, a good, good friend of mine. And he's a, you know, he is an actual artist. Like that is his full-time livelihood. That's how he lives and makes his living. And uh, it is really cool that, like you said, like, yes, he's drawing a, a match every week, but like he's, you know, offering those drawings and those paintings digitally uh and they're really really incredible and like chris has been featured in all sorts of like different art exhibitions and stuff like that so like his stuff's pretty high level and the stuff he's drawing is usually right up my alley so when Mm -hmm. they're like doing the the match review it's not just how cool the art is but it's also like the last one that they did um they covered what was it the 1970 um was that terry terry funk match yeah, it was the Funks versus uh, the Sheik and Abdullah from the All Japan Real World Tag League Finals, but I can't remember if it was seventy seven or seventy eight. But that match is incredible. it was uh, seventy seven. Okay, yeah, seventy seven, and uh, that was really cool. And then you know every week they're doing something like that. He has um, who was it? Uh, something Evans. So yeah, so week one he had on James Vanderbeek, and then he had on uh, cousin Ben to talk about uh, Strong BJ versus Violent Giants, and then he had on yeah Sam Evans on the uh, art uh, curator edition where he's interviewing a wrestling artist. Sam Evans is a, I follow him on Instagram. He's an incredible wrestling artist. Like his stuff. If you haven't checked it out, you you need to see it. Um, and I love that idea that it's not just his own personal work, but also putting a spotlight on other creators and content you know, um, producers and sort of fostering like a sense of community. So I think that, uh, his show's kind of unique and I'm, I'm digging it. So yeah, if you go I to, think uh, you should definitely check both out. Yeah. If you go to christhings.com.au, that's his site where you can, uh, purchase some of the, the wrestling art that he does. Um, really, really great stuff. And yeah, check out his podcast and yeah, it's a kind of, kind of good way to find some like, new wrestling artists and get some cool he did stuff. All the, uh, all the narr- or all the uh, illustration on um, Phil Schneider's "The Way of the Blade," which yeah. I own, yeah. and that's that's an incredible uh, book because it's just like a hundred of the bloodiest matches ever, and like Chris literally like created art for every single match. Like I can't imagine how long that took, but uh, yeah, it's one of my more prized books that I own, honestly. Yeah, that's that's a great book, and yeah, Chris did a really great job with illustrations on that, so. Yeah, check out his podcast, his uh, artwork. Check out Imp's podcast. Subscribe to the network. Of course, you know, we got One Nation Radio, All Things Elite, Keeping a Strong Style. 
a lot of great stuff on the network. It's also good that the network is international once again. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then other uh, plug and shout out. It's official, signed, sealed, and delivered. Next week on the show, we're going to have on Walker Stewart, the new voice of English commentary for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, You know, we mentioned last week that we're going to have him on soon. Well, soon is next week. Uh, I've been talking to Walker, and he's uh, very excited to come on the podcast, talk about his journey into New Japan, his journey in wrestling commentary. Yeah, looking forward to that interview. Um, And yeah, we got like, Five shows to review next week, plus a, a interview with Walker Stewart. It's gonna be a packed week. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Make sure you're you're locked in for that one. Um, so I know normally we do like the the match reviews and shows reviews and news kind of goes towards the end, but there's been a lot of big news pieces that everybody's talking about that I feel like we need to cover up front. So before we jump into New Japan Road and World Tag League, let's talk about some of these bigger news items. Uh, first thing. Will Ospreay is all elite, bruv. Uh, so it was announced during AEW Full Gear on Saturday that Will Ospreay had officially signed with AEW. Ospreay came to the ring and said he would not begin immediately as he has spent eight years with New Japan Pro Wrestling and will finish his commitments there. Both Sports Illustrated and Fightful reported that Ospreay's contract with the company is a multi-year deal. Josh, I don't know if you've seen what's been going on on Twitter the last few days since this news broke. Uh, there's been come a- on, bro. You think <laughs> I'm? You know I'm not on Twitter. If I if I had seen what was going on on Twitter, then our account would have gotten engaged in what's going on on Twitter, and then you you would know about it. The fact that it's been radio silent from the account means I didn't see any of it. I've been busy. <laughs> All right, well, there's, there's a lot of people uh, up in arms, a lot of people upset that, well, Osprey would debut months before his contract is actually up. It uh, ruins things for the the Tokyo Dome triple threat match. Um, a, a lot of people you know, went on Twitter that their podcasts and are very vocal, very upset about the announcement of the pay-per-view, Will's future. So, Joshua, what are your thoughts? Because we haven't talked at, at all about this, so I'm curious, what... What are you thinking about this whole, the way they announced Will and Will's future? The first thing is you mentioned that people are upset about how, what this does to the, uh, the triple threat. And my first like gut reaction is like, Oh no, not the triple threat at Russell kingdom. Not, not the sanctity of David Finley, John Moxley (laughs) and Will Ospreay. Not the the prestigious new title. (laughs) Yeah, not the new, not the prestigious AEW All Japan Triple Crown title that's going to debut, like, whatever the fuck it's going to be. I don't, you know, man, honestly, like, I I heard that there was going to be some major announcement and signing, and, like, I didn't discount the idea that it could very well be Will Ospreay. In fact, what's funny is, like, you know, I'm not going to reveal sources, but, like, I've been told and I can just say this now, now that it's out, I, we were told months, months ago, months, ago. <laughs> months and months and months ago that Will was 100% headed to AEW. Now, does that mean that, you know, there wasn't negotiations between now and then with him and WWE and the other companies? Possibly. I don't I, I mean, I'm not privy to all that, but like I was told that it was basically a, 
a done deal and that new Japan's office was, has been aware of this all along for quite some time. So none of this like really should be surprising. And like, I've been in some new Japan groups and been like, don't expect will to stick around. Hint, hint, bro, hint. bro, we've been hinting on this show forever now. Like will's probably leaving. Will is gone. He's got one foot out the door. And, and you know what? Credit where credit's due. The first place I ever heard that he was like, for sure. And I mean, we were already speculating before I heard it. Like, going back to, you know, All In and even prior to All In, like, everyone on our network were like, you know, Tony Khan's really treating Will Ospreay pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like they might be making a play for him. You know what I mean? So it's like, you didn't have to be a, a brainiac to put two and two together. But the first place I ever heard, like, an official, like, Hey guys, this might be happening. Uh, credit where it's due was Jcast. I heard that on their show, and as soon as I heard that, I you know, beep beep beep, started like <laughs> you know, sending the signal, tapping and in. Yeah, and, and and we were hearing back from people being like, yeah, this is pretty much happening. Like, there's people talking. It, it it's a done deal. But uh, you know, we're not a news breaking site, so none of this is surprising to me. But I'd already engaged with a few really rabid new japan fans that were like this is all rumors it's not happening and i was like it is happening <laughs> it's <laughs> happening dude like you know what i mean like he's he's not sticking around and um the fact that they announced him now i i think it was mainly you know political because they've got the wembley sh show tickets uh about to go on sale he's probably gonna headline that show or be featured in one of the top positions on at that date They've got time between now and then to build him up for that spot. And that's why they brought him in because it's kind of hard to utilize him to build their tickets that they're, that are going on sale on December. What is it? December, December 1st, I think something like that. I don't know. Uh, I'm not going, so it doesn't matter to me, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's why they did it. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like it, it doesn't really matter to me. Like, I will be honest, watching him come out and I hear the dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck. Like, because I wanted it to be anybody but Will. Um, not that I don't want Will or, you know, not that like I didn't believe Will was leaving. I kind of knew he was. But at the same time, like, I just kind of wanted to hold it off as far as long as possible uh, until the inevitable actually took place. But once he like showed up there, it was like, all right, well, you know, we might as well make peace with it. This is what's happening. You know, dude's gone, but I wasn't upset. I wasn't mad. I mean, it, if I do think that if there's criticism about, uh, the relationship between new Japan and, and AEW and how new Japan is basically being treated like a farm league, like that's true, you know, but this isn't the first instant of that this is a a continuation of a of a pattern you know yeah and, and i mean this is it's not just aw uh you know you go back years and years you got you got wwe uh impact like there, there are other companies that have gotten new japan talent after they've gotten big in new japan and so yeah it, it's nothing new there and um you know i wasn't upset either um about will coming out of the pay-per-view like you said we, we've known for a while now that he was pretty much going to be signing with AEW, and uh, I mean, Will's been saying it himself that you know, hey, I'm I'm negotiating. Um, you know, his priority is making as much money as possible. He has a stepson now. He wants to secure his future, his family's financial future, and 
I'm sorry, I love New Japan, but they do not have the financials to be able to counter offer a deal that came from AEW or WWE. That's just the facts. And so he was either going in one of those two places regardless. And so, but we pretty much already knew that it was going to be AEW. It makes all the sense. Like we mentioned, Tony Collins already courting him. He got a big match at Wembley this past year. Uh, we saw him, you know, integrated in the, the trios tournament with Aussie Open. Like mm-hmm. he, he's already kind of had his foot in the door with AEW. I mean, he's built into the Don Callis family. Like, it, <laughs> yeah, he's it, in a fashion. <laughs> it, it all makes sense. Aussie Open is already there and signed. Like it, it, it all uh, made sense. And um, you know, Andrew Zarian um, from Wrestling Observer on Saturday, you know, he he posted like a picture of an Osprey bird and. Uh, he already he had confirmed it that it was going to be Will Ospreay. So there was multiple people already confirming that have the scoops and are legitimate that it, it was going to be Will Ospreay. So I wasn't surprised, and I'm not upset, and I can understand why people are upset, but I, I don't think him being announced as a signing on an AW show really hurts Wrestle Kingdom. I think what hurts Wrestle Kingdom is the match that they're doing. Yeah, the match <laughs> itself sucks. <laughs> like, if you're you're New Japan, and you know that Will Ospreay's leaving, he's one of your biggest stars, what, what should you do? You should use him to get somebody over in a one-on-one match, have him be beat for one of your top titles, and put a young new guy over. You know, why wasn't the Tokyo Dome match Will Ospreay versus Shota Umino? Will Ospreay versus Yota Suji? Will Ospreay versus Yu Yu Amora. Like, Will Ospreay versus somebody, anybody uh, besides throwing in John Moxley and David Finley. They they could have built a young guy up to challenge Will at the Tokyo Dome, beat Will, and get the rub, and have somebody be the guy that sends Will Ospreay out of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Well, I, I personally still think that's going to take place in February, although I could be wrong on that, but that's just my personal opinion. Um. You know, one thing, too, that kind of lends some credence to the idea that he's sticking around till February was the weird. Now, I'll be honest, that promo he cut <laughs> and, the, and was weird as fuck, but the crowd was weird as fuck. Like, yeah. I didn't I didn't watch that whole that whole show. I was out. Uh, I saw Thanksgiving, by the way. Um, if, if any of you like horror movies, Thanksgiving five stars incredible like an all-time top tier slasher so funny so fun but anyways i was watching that that night so like that kind of tells you where my priorities are with AEW. <laughs> like i went to the movies instead of watching the pay-per-view and i came back just kind of in time to catch this and um one thing he said in the promo was like you know when i started with that company i was 22 and then i gave them eight years now i'm a man i'm 30 years old and then he kind of almost, it almost sounded like he alluded to the idea that he wants to be in AEW for another eight years. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, which was strange. But then he was like, the one thing I asked, Tony, Tony, please let me finish my business in New Japan. And I'm like, this is just fucking so Let weird. me finish, bro. Let me finish. <laughs> yeah, like, why, what? what is, who is this for? Like, what is this building to? And then he's like, and then I'll come back and I'll dominate. And I'm like, this is a shitty promo. This is <laughs> honestly like, I'm not upset that they did it, but I did think it was, it fell really flat. And like, I, I wasn't impressed by it at all, you know, but um, it's fine. I guess it is what it is. Hopefully, 
I think some of the stuff, the other stuff they've done with Osprey and the company has been much better. Like the promo battle he had with, uh, um, with Jericho for the mm. go home to all. And that was like incredible. This was, you know, I don't know. I don't know who this was for. I guess it was just to <laughs> pop a pay-per-view number and try to sell some more tickets. But I, I do think it does in theory hurt like the, the match, but the match kind of sucks to begin with. And I, you know, Jeremy, you and I were already speculating that this match was rife with political intrigue to begin with. And mm-hmm. I think most of what, you know, it's funny is almost everybody else has said the opposite of you and me like that. Um, Finley. I don't think that I don't think many people see Finley coming in as the pin eater the same way you and I do. Yeah, I think most people are like, oh well, clearly now Finley is gonna win. And and I've always felt like TK do- either doesn't want to have um, Mox or will lose coming, you know, come at the Tokyo Dome, or he doesn't want them beating each other, or he doesn't want them to do that match now because maybe he's saving it for his own promotion. Um, who knows? Yeah, but maybe that's maybe that's Will's first, you know, AEW pay per view match. Could be, could be. I don't know, but I, I definitely think personally that like Finley is there to be the pin eater. It doesn't mean that he couldn't win; he could. But I think Finley's there to be the pin eater to serve these two bigger stars, and then I think we'll turn around and have, you know, who knows? I mean, let's say Osprey is the new champion hypothetically. I'm, I, I'm not advocating for it, but they could easily have him go to uh aew with the title a la you know kenny omega from last year or you know they did the same thing with the u.s title with john moxley during the pandemic period the other thing too is he could just drop it in february which is what i'm leaning towards i think that he's gonna win and i think it's gonna be akin to when CM Punk was quote unquote leaving ring of honor and everyone was like, he has to lose because it's his last night. There's no way he's going to win the title. Mm-hmm. And then he won the title. And then the summer of punk kicked off because they thought it was his last show. And it really wasn't. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are thinking that this is Will's swan song and it is his last Tokyo dome, but it's not his last contracted date. I think he's going to win the new belt and then tease like a heel persona, I'm going to AEW. I'm taking the title with me. There's nothing any of you like, you know, cunts can do about it. Blah blah blah. And then whoever the savior is, whether it's Umino, Suji, Narita, Suji, blah blah, whoever they come and they challenge him, and then that will be like their catalyst to to beat him. I think that's what's happening personally. Yeah. And if they don't, if they don't have that booked and they're listening, you should probably do that. <laughs> this is an A plus storyline. I'm, yeah. I'm beating you right now. That's money. Um, you know, interesting thing, you know, New Japan, they they posted the, the Will is All Elite graphic today on their Instagram and congratulated Will and looking to working with him in the future. So clearly there is, I think, a, probably going to be a deal in place. I'm sure Will has a very similar contract to guys like Kenny and Jericho. And we already know that, you know, AW and New Japan are working closely together now. Um, so Will probably will continue to do big shows for New Japan. He'll probably, this probably won't be his last Wrestle Kingdom. He'll probably still get a big match at the Tokyo Dome. He'll probably be at Dominion, um, you know, some of these bigger shows. Um, Forbidden Door, he'll, you know, be, he'll be repping the AEW side, but, you know, there will still, still be, like, Will facing off against New Japan guys. I don't think it's impossible that we continue to see that, but I'm also not that um, 
high on the idea of him constantly coming back or even like I like for instance if it was once or twice a year I'm I would say that that even that is unrealistic because to me all signs point to the idea that AEW has big plans for him and they plan to push him in a tip-top spot and very often the guys that are pushed at the very very tip-top don't come to Japan that often like right. maybe they you know what I mean? Like yeah. the whole, the only one you can point to that like has shown up more often than probably anybody else is John Moxley. And it's kind of just cause like he loves New Japan <laughs> yeah, and, and it's John and like, he's going to do whatever the fuck he wants to do, you know, but yeah. like the other guys that you would probably put in that top tier, like Danielson's making his first trip Jericho. We haven't seen him. Like, like I think since he wrestled Tanahashi, like during the first year of the company, when he was still the AEW champion, I, I don't think he's been back since then. Um, Kenny Omega worked once, you know, the kind of guys that they usually let come over are like the upper mid card guys, like, you know, like a Lance Archer comes a lot and that's great too, but they don't really have their tip top stars available to work a lot of new Japan shows. That's why the Kenny Omega U S title run was such a failure last year because he, <laughs> he never came back. <laughs> Uh, not coming back <laughs> right so like and that's why like i don't discount the idea that there is a provision or a clause in his contract and they are partners and could it happen sure but like they're probably going to be focused on establishing him over there and if he becomes if he blows up the way i think he probably will i don't think we're gonna see very much will osprey at all and it, it might be a long time personally that's my opinion yeah like, he's definitely not gonna do like a, a g1 or a new japan cup like it, it's gonna be Dominion Wrestle Kingdom size shows that if at all, you know. Yeah, if at all, it's going to be a Tokyo Dome or like a uh, Sumo Hall, basically. Yeah, or maybe if they do Royal Quest and because he's, he's still going to be based in the UK, maybe potentially he could do some kind of like UK New Japan show just to help him out there. So yeah, so uh, that's kind of the whole story. We had a lot of questions here on this. Uh, Dark Soldier says, Triple Threat at Wrestle Kingdom is looking very unpredictable, people. Who's going to win? I already kind of gave my thoughts on that. I don't know if you want to add anything there, Jeremy. Yeah, I mean, I'm still kind of thinking that Will, is. I still think he has the strongest chance of winning, uh, which is weird uh, for some people to think about. But like you mentioned, it's Will Ospreay, John Moxley, um, two guys that Tony Khan's going to want to protect. And it's David Finley. Uh, I mean, sure, him winning, would that give him a, a great rub and push? Yeah, but does Tony Khan want Will Ospreay or John Moxley laying down for Finley? I, I do think that um, Chris Charlton did a good job on commentary today, uh, sort of building up the kayfabe of this match in light of the Will Ospreay announcement. So it's very clear that New Japan, even though... Um, you know, it was announced by AEW. They're, they're going to work it into their promotional material. They're going to work it into their storylines, their commentary. So that's good. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Next question here from Les Commission 7252. New Japan lost Kenny Omega after Wrestle Kingdom. It didn't hurt them. They lost Jay White a few weeks after Wrestle Kingdom. It didn't hurt them at all. Will, will losing Young still on will using Young still on the Rise Stars like Will Ospreay hurt New Japan? while they are in the, this new journey of New Japan? Well, I, I wouldn't agree with those statements personally at all. I don't think that uh, losing Kenny Omega and Jay White 
were, uh, you know, didn't hurt the company because I mean, the company, and it's not like those two singular things are the, the lone catalyst, but they are another in a series of events that have taken place over the last three or four years, you know, actually you go back a decade, but like, the company was a lot hotter four or five years ago. And some of that is the pandemic, but some of that is losing talent like this. And like, mm. I don't think that losing your top Gaijin star is ever really a net positive. Um, do I think that new Japan will be okay? I do. I'm mm. optimistic. I think that there's a lot of positive signs of things that are going on in, in the company, but uh, we, we talked about this before. How do you replace a Will Ospreay? literally one of the greatest generational talents that we've ever seen. And my, my feeling at this point is like, we, I don't see anybody on the roster coming behind him that can fill those shoes. So you pivot. And I think you have to offer something different um, because there's not another Will Ospreay walking through that door. Yeah. Um, and I think to him, to what he's kind of really point out here, like you're mentioning, I feel like new Japan does a, a great job of recovering when they lose their top foreigners, you know, we've seen this, you know, that they lost AJ Styles and the Good Brothers. They lost Kenny Omega and in the Elite. They they lost Jay White. They've, they've always kind of been able to reload and elevate people when they kind of have this, you know, beginning of the year exodus. And there's a ton of young talent there. They, they have the talent to use. Now they, they need to elevate them. And I know that there's nobody that can really fill Will's shoes, but this does open up a spot to push new foreigners that they have their own foreigners. You, you have Gabriel kid, uh, all the, all, Alex Coughlin, all the, the LA dojo guys, Kevin Knight, like they have their own um, tap line in the foreigners that they have, you know, Oscar Lube and Bolton Oleg as young lions will be going on an excursion soon, probably. So there, there is room and time to build and elevate new foreign stars. Yeah. I mean, honestly, right now it's feeling like, Zack Sabre Jr. is the last of the Mohicans, you know, yeah. it kind of reminds me of like when, uh, when all the, uh, the pillars went to Noah except Kawada and he was like the last guy left behind. And it's like, okay, I guess now we'll go with Kawada. And that's what <laughs> it feels like. It's like, I guess now they're going to go with Zach and you know, there's probably an argument that they always should have gone with Zach. They probably mm-hmm. always should have gone with Kawada, but now here we are. And I feel like, for now, right now in the immediate future, the top gaijin in this company or the top foreigner is going to be Zack Sabre Jr. Provided he doesn't leave because <laughs> it seems like they might be courting him too. Right. And, and you know, Will, he's getting to stay living in the UK. I mean, Zach could get a deal saying he can go move back to UK, stay there, or maybe just stay in Japan. Who knows? And work AW, just fly in and work AW every week. So uh, hey, that's another guy. Yeah, like that's who we should be keeping our eyes out on for next year. Uh, he also asked, how will Osprey signing with AEW affect United Empire? They don't feel powerful unless they really elevate Cobb like they did in the G1 years ago and push Ocon as a major star, which they failed to do recently. Will the new leader be the same or better as David Finley, while people are, are clearly still not feeling him as leader of Bullet Club? You know, here's my hot take, Jeremy. I think they just should end the United Empire. Really? I mean... You know, I, I, I'm not really the biggest proponent of the idea that every single faction, when it loses its leader, that it needs to thus fill the void with another guy. And sometimes that can be detrimental. Look at what's happening with Finley. And like, I'm not even saying that he's a bad leader, but he's being 
compared incessantly to his predecessors, which is, you know, an unfair uh, comparison because he can't, he's not Kenny Omega. He's not AJ Styles. Um, In the past, when, when guys have left in other companies, sometimes the the faction just ends, you know, or maybe the faction can shift. It doesn't have to be the United Empire. Maybe the guys that are left over can do something different. Um, and you create a new brand and a new star. Uh, sure. I mean, if United Empire is, you know, selling tons of towels and tons of, of shirts, then maybe you want to keep it around and you can work something up and maybe Cobb or Ocon should be the front man. Maybe you replace Osprey. But if it was me, I would do something fresh and exciting. I would start something new with somebody else and do something new, similar to what we saw with the dissolution of Suzuki gun this past mm-hmm. year. Yeah, that's definitely an option. Yeah, break them up, have guys kind of di- go different ways, join existing factions, start a new faction. Um, yeah, it's hard to yeah say you know all right, well Cobb's going to be the leader. Like Cobb has his own strengths. I don't think him being a leader of the United Empire fits his strengths. Um, Ocon, like they they have failed to show that they they want to do more of him. Um, so there's there's not really a good really filling choice to kind of step up and be the leader. Um, the only other thing I can think of is like maybe if you have like one of the you know musketeers, one of the young guys, kind of jump and take over. Like what if Shota Umino with the whole connection to Will? It's like all right, you're leaving. I'm taking your faction, kind of thing. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, but I think I think a, a new logo a new name a new brand is exciting it's more exciting than a recycled you know um united empire plus it's gonna be another they're gonna have a new united empire over in AEW eventually very likely not empire gold yes (laughs) uh see right user knee drop asks besides money what benefits does the partnership with AEW bring their relationship is so one-sided now that I don't see how it helps NJPW unless that money, unless the money's that good. Well, make no mistake about it. Like the, um, the forbidden door show is a huge commercial success for both companies. And yeah, the money is good. Um, there are benefits. I don't, and I, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sit here and claim that it's not a one-sided relationship. I definitely think that it is. Um, and I guess it's, you know, kind of funny to see new Japan get treated like ring of honor and get treated like Noah and other companies <laughs> that they've kind of hoed over the years. Yeah. But, um, that's just what it is. There are benefits though, like with talent exchanges and, um, things like that places for guys to go work and, and spend time and do things like that. There is crossover appeal, cross promotion, but at the end of the day, like the big, uh, benefit is, the money that is brought in from the forbidden door show, which is extremely lucrative for both companies. And, you know, uh, new Japan's financials haven't been the strongest the past couple of years. So it's not like they're in a, a position where they can just turn away top end <laughs> money like that. Yeah. And I think it, it helps them to like get guys for their U S shows. Like they've been sending over guys like Trent Beretta and Lance Archer. Um, so getting guys like that to be able to use on some of their U S shows and, I think it does kind of help elevate the new Japan brand being attached to a top American partner 
you know, they were a ring of honors for a year and years, but now, now they're with a partner who's on, you know, cable television weekly and the pay-per-views do big and, you know, their guys can be featured on national television. The reality is New Japan is not in a position to compete in the West with Ring of Honor, or I'm sorry, with AEW and uh, WWE. They would have been several years ago had they pulled the trigger to create basically what became AEW when they were in that driver's seat to do that. And they didn't, and neither did ROH. And now they kind of helped create their own competition. And yeah, they are partners with AEW, but like that ship has passed. Like, and it's one of the reasons we've heard the the business comments where they're looking to expand more into Asia and, and other parts of the world on that side because you know they're they I mean there is still a piece of the market that they can have in the West, but it's gonna be a third tier piece of the market competing with companies like Impact and MLW and GCW and that and NWA, that sort of thing. Yeah, um, well, they're never uh, they're never going to be able to compete on that level in the West with AEW and WWE because the opportunity passed them by. They didn't pull the trigger. Yeah, we're we're, we're not getting Wrestle Dynasty. <laughs> yeah, Wrestle Dynasty's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Lee Chang is Bay Two says Jay Juice Abushi Archer Kevin Kelly and now Big Billy. New Japan has officially become a feeder system for AEW. How does it feel knowing you're wasting time covering AEW's version of NXT? Bro. <laughs> That's a mean comment. <laughs> not not about New Japan. I don't give a fuck about them, but like we we're, we're not wasting our times. This this is fun for us. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> With this because we like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think it's a waste of time, man. I, I think that's uh, a little bit too harsh of a, a critique there. I mean, I don't think it is, Jeremy. They're they're a feeder system for AEW. I mean, you can say that, but look at the situation with a lot of these guys. I mean, a lot of these guys that mentioned he mentioned here all wanted to move be stateside based, like Jay mm-hmm. Juice, Kevin Kelly. Like all these guys, they they want they were they didn't want to be traveling to Japan. Abushi, we know his his issues with uh, New Japan, um, mm-hmm. and then there's Will Osprey, which that's probably made the biggest one. That's like, all right, maybe there could have been more of a push there, but bro, uh, there's a million other names that he didn't even list, like the Elite, Hangman mm-hmm. Adam Page, Cody, Chris Jericho, Moxley. Like the list goes on and on. Like there's a million guys, like New Japan. In the West is a feeder system for AEW. It's true. Well, I think and it, that and prior to that, it was WWE when you when you had AJ and the and uh, Good Brothers and those guys leaving and Nakamura. Yeah. yeah, New Japan facilitates a very similar role to all the Gabe Sapolsky promotions used <laughs> to do back in the back in the mid two thousands. It's very similar in that respect, and they and New Japan has had to do time and time again what the what. Ring of Honor and Evolve had to do where they lose talent and they got to build new stars. And those big stars get signed by the big boys. And then you know what happens? They got to build up new stars. And the, the the one positive thing that New Japan has going is that they are a Japanese domestic product and not everybody that is under contract there and that's a star there is going to be able to translate 
uh, into stardom over in the West because they're Japanese. They don't speak English. But, bro, we're even seeing reports where, like, you know, Triple H trying to sign Okada and shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, I can get to that in the news. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's not a, that's nothing new. I mean, that's all. No, it's not new. Okada's always been on their radar, but I'm guessing maybe he it's more of a focus now. Um, but yeah, I, I think that with all the foreigners, the foreigners are always going to be targets for AEW and WWE. There's there's more money to be made in both of those promotions. They can stay at home. They don't have to do long tours to Japan. So I think regardless of who the foreigner is and who they build up, unless it's a guy that probably just really loves Japan, like they are always going to constantly be losing foreigners. Um, I think there'd be more of an issue if we saw them losing the domestic talent more. Um, if there were more Nakamura types that were leaving, like if Okada and Tanahashi and all these guys were going, I think that's the big like red flag. All right, we truly are just a developmental system. But when it comes to these foreigners, I think that you got to expect at some point they're, they're going to want to move back to the U.S. They're going to want to make more money, and, and that's, that's what you got to expect. Well, money is part of it, but the other thing, too, is that there's certainly a glass ceiling when it comes to Western stars in New Japan. They can't be the ace. Um, It's just never happened, and it won't happen um, as far as history has told us. If it were to happen, it probably would have happened recently with, like, a Kenny Omega, a Jay White, or a Will Ospreay, and none of those guys could be the ace. Um, You know, maybe one day something like that could happen, but there is only so high they can actually go within the the new Japan system. And so that is one of the detriments to them staying there because if they want to make that higher end money, they got to get pushed as the main act and they can't be the main act because the name on the marquee is new Japan, Japan, like, (laughs) you know, but um, at the same time, I don't think that new Japan fans should be under any illusion that this is some sort of, fair you know treatment of their partnership with AEW like AEW's poaching new japan's talent it's happened time and time again and it is just what's happening and like it's sort of an inevitability i mean how do you avoid it you know right i mean cut off ties completely <laughs> right i mean you, you know um and they have the high ground they've got a lot more money behind them they've got a, a, a higher expendable income um and it just is what it is. Yeah, he also asks, uh, who do you guys think Tony Khan steals next? Hopefully it's David Finley. Please, for the love of God, take David Finley, Tony. <laughs> um, if I were nervous about them uh, taking somebody, I think... Uh, ZSJ? Like, yeah, I think Zach's probably the, the top candidate. Although, I could see any number. I could see the Tongans... Going, I could see Phantasmo. Yep. Um, War Dogs. Maybe. Uh, I mean, if I were them, I'd be looking at my options. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, even Jeff Cobb, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think Cobb would be another, uh, definitely an option there. They already tried to sign him, you know, in the early days of the company. Yeah. He had that one off shot in like 2019 where he was like uh, Jericho's like monster against uh, Moxley. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then, last question on this topic here from the Discord Daddy MJ does PR it says working in NJPW creates a ton of value for individual Western wrestlers. Think AJ, Kenny, Osprey, Good Brothers, even guys like Lance Archer and Jonah. 
are all in better negotiating positions since working the territory. Do you think NJPW is getting similar value out of its investments in Western talent? Um, I'm sorry. I started to read the next topic while you were <laughs> reading and uh, I got lost because I'm baffled by what I just saw. I guess I didn't know about that. We'll, we'll talk about it in a second. But I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Um, <laughs> go ahead and answer his question while I read over it. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I, I don't think that New Japan is getting a similar value that these guys are getting. Um, like we were to mention, it's it's kind of a revolving door with the, with the foreign talent. Uh, I mean, they get the value while those guys are there, um, but then once they're gone, uh, I mean, they they've kind of lost what they've invested. Somewhat, but I mean, you have to think like. How many Tokyo Dome shows did they sell off the back of Kenny Omega and AJ Styles? Yeah. You know, how many big shows did they and main events did they do with guys like them and Osprey and and everything like that? Um, I do understand the frustration with like let's say a Jonah, a guy that you put a bunch of money into for a short run and you push him to the top, you, you have him go over Okada and then he signs with, with WWE in short order. And the, you know, the juice wasn't even really worth the squeeze at that point. But like AJ, Kenny, and, and Will, they had them for years. They made tons and tons and tons of money off of them. And yeah, it is inevitable that they left and they they go off. I do think that they get value out of them. Because I mean, um, especially you look at Kenny Omega and, and the, the amount of money that they made over in the States based on the popularity of being the elite and... Mm-hmm. The partnership with Ring of Honor and MSG show, like all of that stuff was based off of Kenny and the Bucks primarily, yeah. And yeah. the Bull Club. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like like they they get the, the value while they're there, but then yeah, once it's gone, then it's like rebuilding and trying to find who the next, you know, top Westerner is gonna be. Yeah, but that's the same thing with even a domestic star. I mean, what have you done for me lately? They're only useful to you while they're making you money and then and then once their run is done their run is done you know yeah all right well let's talk about a uh, topic two that also has uh the internet ablaze and bro i i <laughs> listen i'm studying for my series 65 so like me right now i'm in the mode of, and, and there's other big things going on in my life too i'll, I'll let you know but um between me like trying to do the show keep up with world tag league keep up with my studies and the holidays are coming. Like I'm not, I don't have extracurricular time. So I did not know about this at all. Like tell, fill me in what the <laughs> fuck is going on. Yeah. So the NJPW strong open weight title is going to be unified with the ring of honor role title and the new AEW continental title, all part of the continental classic, which kicks off this Wednesday. So the tournament. What? Wait, what the fuck is the AW Continental title? Uh, I'll, <laughs> let me explain the whole thing. So the tournament is going to kick off um, this Wednesday. Um, so on on full gear, they said that the winner of the Continental Classic will become the first ever AW Continental Champion. And then additionally, Eddie Kingston is going to put his ROH title and New Japan Strong title on the line in each of his tournament matches. Meaning that the Continental Classic winner will hold all three titles and will be the first ever AEW Triple Crown Champion. 
Oh my god, this is so fucking stupid. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Uh-uh. Ew. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. What did they do to us? <laughs> yeah, and you know the thing the thing is too, if you even break it down, all right. So none Ed, of this makes any sense. So Eddie's putting his belt his, his belt on the line every tournament match. So they're they're doing two blocks of six. So what if Eddie he goes like he's like four and zero. His last match is against somebody that's not making it to the finals, and he loses the belts. Then how are they going to create the triple crown if he lost them to a guy that's not moving on to the finals? Yeah, bro, that does not make any sense. So okay, for instance, I've seen tournaments where the champion defends their title in the tournament, but only in single elimination tournaments. That makes sense because the person that beats you gets to go on to the next round and carries the title with them. I've seen Bellator do this before, but like you just brought up a very, I mean, obviously they're not going to do what you just said. Clearly Eddie or whoever beats Eddie is going to go to the finals, but it's still stupid. Yeah. And then, yeah, they're yeah unifying it with the ring of honor world title. So, you know, does ROH just not have a belt anymore? And then they're creating this new AEW continental title so new japan strong will not have a title anymore and ring of honor will not have a title so the idea is that the the triple crown champion will defend it in all three promotions that will never happen you know how this shit works i'm just saying that that's what they're saying that but you know how it works (laughs) they say one thing and it's all wrestling companies they're like the purpose of this title is to do this and then, you know, even if they start out doing that, it's going to whatever it is that they stipulate, it's going to change. Mm-hmm. And then it's like they're unifying it with a title that doesn't even fucking exist yet. <laughs> so you got one title that's really fucking prestigious in the ROH world title. I mean, granted, it's seen better days, but like that lineage. Sick. Yeah. Then you got the strong title, which is like a newer title. I wouldn't put it on the same like stage as like the ROH title but whatever you know it's it's had some good champions and then you've got a new belt that's the AW continental belt they might as well just call it intercontinental title and it it's we've never seen it and no one's ever held it and it's gonna get but it's gonna get the same level of prestige as these other two titles like it, they just want to have a triple crown title because Tony tape traded back in the days and he just really <laughs> fucking likes all Japan. Like this yeah. is fucking stupid. There's another thing. The winner of this tournament doesn't get to go on and fight the world champion. They get a consolation prize and they actually get moved out of the main event scene. So the tournament itself is less important. Why would I tune in for this shit? Yeah. Um... I'm not watching it. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm not watching it. Like, I already don't watch the show. I thought about watching it, but after that tweet that Tony Khan put about put your money where put your fucking money or whatever, and then this shit, like, uh uh-uh, uh, not watching it. Fuck off. <laughs> uh, I'm still going to watch it. There probably still going to be some great matches. You know, so far, uh, Brian Danielson, Eddie Kingston, Andrade, and Mark Briscoe are announced. The, the rest of the Ew. field. What? That's a horrible lineup. Brian, Andrade, Kingston, and Mark Briscoe? Yes, because this tournament should have, if it's going to be like a G1 equivalent and there's only 12 spots, then there shouldn't be guys that are really good, 
but not top stars. It should be like literally they have their talent roster is so fucking deep that there should not be room. And and this is not to disparage these guys. I'm not saying they're not great wrestlers. They are. But Andrade and Mark Briscoe should not be in a tournament like that. It should be like guys like Kenny Omega, MJF, Will Ospreay, people like that. Mox. And Mox. Exactly. Stuff like Hangman. Swerve. It shouldn't be upper mid card guys. Well, I feel like they're they've been kind of trying to push Andrade as a, a main event guy on Collision. Uh, I can see the argument for Mark Briscoe, but hey, somebody's got to be the, the pin eater in, in these blocks, and he's going to have good matches every night and and eat some losses. Uh, the rest of the field's going to be announced on Wednesday on YouTube, doing like a uh, March Madness kind of selection kind of gimmick thing. Uh, yeah, well, they don't they don't know who the fuck's in it today, right? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> uh, we had a question here from uh, user Knee Drop. Will Gabe Will Gabe Kid still get his towel shot? Who the fuck knows? <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's coming anytime soon. Uh, still, Burger Bun says the time to panic about the NJPW AEW partnership yet? Shall I get my pit- pitchfork ready? I mean, I, I, yeah, it's shitty. Yeah. The partnership is shitty. Like, and, and it, I've been complaining about the partnership almost the whole time. The, the one cool thing, the one really cool thing that we get is we do get big dream matches at Forbidden Door. We got the awesome Danielson and, uh, and, um, Zach match. And, you know, sometimes we'll get big Tokyo Dome style matches like Kenny Omega and, and Will Ospreay last year. We're getting mm-hmm. Okada and, and Danielson, but by and large, New Japan gets hoed. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what happens when you're not, you know, the, the A side of the relationship. I mean, the, you know, we see them, they did that to Ring of Honor. They did, they, they're doing that to Pro Wrestling Noah currently. Um, when you're not the A side, like you kind of have to bend the knee to the A side of the relationship. Yeah. It's nasty business. Yeah. So yeah, that that's what's happening with the strong open weight title. So we'll see what happens. Yo, that sucks. <laughs> Say goodbye to strong and ring of honor. This is the death knell. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like I'm I'm not even sad about if those <laughs> go away. <laughs> I mean, I'm not really either, but I'm like, all right, so it, it's just so convoluted and stupid. Yeah. Like, I don't, yeah, like you said, I don't get what the obsession is with creating this triple crown. Like, they teased, teased it with uh, Eddie versus Shibata. Like, if Eddie had won the pure title, he would have created a, a triple crown. And now they're. But remember when I mentioned, I'm like, how does that work? The pure title's contested under pure rules. Are they just not going to fight under, are all matches going to be under pure rules at that point? Like, that didn't make sense either. Yeah. So, yeah, really kind of questionable booking and planning and so yeah clearly the you know strong title yeah it's just not gonna be i guess important also fucking aw doesn't need another fucking title bro right what they have so many titles what are they doing bro i i do not know i i I, do tony khan's been killed and cloned like nah bro put down the coat bro (laughs) (laughs) oh man all right, uh, last thing here that we'll cover before we jump into talking about some shows. The Stone Pit Bull, Tomohiro Ishii, voted into the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame. 
Big Tom-ish receiving 60% of the votes after years and years of campaigning from wrestling fans across the world. The the holders of ballots for the, the Observer Newsletter have finally listened, and the Stone Pitbull, Tomori Rishi, now in the Hall of Fame. Well, you know, I, I've sent this tweet out several times from our account, but it, it, it says in the criteria that, you know, historical significance, drawing ability, and, you know, work rate or, you know, catalog of great matches these are the types of things like that need to be considered for someone to be hall hall fame worthy and it says that somebody could be so exceptional in just one area that it would warrant uh consideration for uh candidacy and you know tomohiro ishii never been a world champion never been a main event guy never been the top star he's been in main events but he's never been some a promotional guy that you push an entire like major company behind and he's never been someone that has drawn significant amounts of money. So, you know, these things are not something that would fit the criteria. But when you look at his match catalog, if if we have that rule where someone can be so outstanding in terms of work that they need to be considered for candidacy, and I mentioned this in, the, in my tweet, nobody fits the bill stronger than Tomohiro Ishii as being a guy that's so fantastic as a worker that even though he's not a top star, even though he's not a main event guy, he needs to be in the Hall of Fame based on his body of work. And you look at how many great matches he's had and like, yeah, he needs to be in. I never thought he was actually going to get in. And I'm I'm shocked. The jump he took, I don't know what caused it. I have no idea. But Well, th- this year more than ever, I've seen a lot of other wrestling outlets. Everybody, every Pretty much every wrestling site had an author that was writing about why Tomohiro Ishii should be in the Hall of Fame. I know a lot of people did audio and podcasts. There seemed to be a really big campaign this year to explain like why somebody like Tomohiro Ishii should be voted in. So yeah, I saw tons of columns, tons of articles, podcasts, tons of tweets. Um, so I think, yeah, all that. And then I think the, the Observer voters kind of seeing that stuff and doing their own research and, and seeing, yeah, uh, Tomohiro Ishii's body of work his in-ring is so great. Yeah, you know, he was not, never the ace. He wasn't pushed. He has a main event at the Tokyo Dome, but you look at his body of work, the the never title runs, um, the, his G1s, like, this guy is just a, a next-level performer, and he he's still kicking as he's, he's getting older and his body is breaking down. He's still having bangers. Uh, so, yeah, he's just a truly exceptional in-ring talent. But, I mean, can you imagine, what What if, you know, Gato decided to, you know, ha- actually push him and he was a main eventer? Like, he would have been in the Hall of Fame way before. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if that would have worked or not. But, yeah, if it had worked, certainly. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I, I think it's well-deserved. Congratulations. And uh, I'm glad I now have a team name for the current reigning Never open weight six man tag team champions, Team Hoff. <laughs> That's right. All three uh never six man open champions are all in the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. Yes, and, and they're also in the Hall of Fame of our hearts. <laughs> At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. 
With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. All right, well, let's uh, move on now to uh, New Japan Road. And uh, Mother says, is there any better road than the New Japan Road? I don't think so. Road. <laughs> yeah, so we had a New Japan Road show uh, Friday, November 17th from Yagata Big Wing show. Uh, opened up actually with an angle. We had uh, Ren Narita, Risuke Gucci, and Tomioka Hanuma coming out. This was in Hanuma's hometown. And we had talked about last week, they had challenged Team Hall of Fame um, backstage previously. And so they were coming out here to, you know, are, are they getting a title match or nah? And uh, Tanahashi came out on behalf of the champions, accepted the challenge. And so it was set for the semi-main event. The uh, never six-man titles would be on the line. Yeah, I had to watch this in uh, Japanese only. So I, I was like, I don't know what's going on, but I think <laughs> I, I think it's happening. <laughs> Uh, then the uh, first match on the card, we had Satoshi Kojima, Togi Makabe, and Hiroshi Tenzon defeating Bolton Oleg, Oscar Luebe, and Yuto Nakashima. Six minutes and 20 seconds. Very quick thoughts. I love when they have the Lions against the Dads. It's mm-hmm. a lot more interesting to me than when it's like uh, some Lions on each side teaming up with veterans. I think when you have just the Lions on one side teaming up against the veterans and and they're allowed to kind of get more and be given more, it's very, very interesting. And Bol- Oleg Bolton, like, fucking tossed Kojima. Like, Bro, it, he, it he, did, awesome. he did the, the gut wrench kind of gimmick where he was, like, flipping, like, gut wrench sides with uh, Kojima. Bro, Togi Makabe took, like, three or four bumps in this match. Like, he was working <laughs> really, really hard. Um, at the finish of the match, though, Kojima, I think it was Yuto Nakashima. Yeah, it was Yuto. He, he gave him a strongest lariat, but he just fucking decked him in the face as hard as he could. Like, <laughs> like out of nowhere, he's like, came just fucking hit him in the face. <laughs> Barely good. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, good opener there. Uh, and followed by that, we had Master Wato and Toroyano defeating the Bullet Club team of Gato and Taiji Shimori by disqualification. Seven minutes and nine seconds. Comedy bullshit. Yeah, I mean, nothing really to sink your teeth into there. Uh, then following that, we had uh, Bishamon, Hiroki Goto, first time back in a while since uh, suffering his injury. So Bishamon teaming up with Yo to defeat the United Empire team of Callum Newman, Great Okan, and Hanare. Bishamon's back, baby. Yeah, I thought uh, Goto looked really good uh, coming back from injur- injury. Um, I'm glad that Cal Newman has been really, he hasn't left Japan yet. He's been on all these tours, getting work, um, getting better, getting bigger. He's a guy that, you know, you, you want to look at future foreign stars you need to push. Like, I think he's a guy that, as he continues to develop, it's going to be a guy that you want to capitalize on and really push. So then uh, following that, we had uh, Minoru Suzuki, Shota Umino, Tiger Mask, and Yuji Nagata defeating the LIJ team of Bushi, Hiromu Takahashi, Shingo Takagi, and Yota Suji. Yeah, this was good. Um, very, very interesting to kind of see uh, Suzuki teaming up with... Uh, uh, what's Nagata. wrong with me? Nagata. <laughs> well, not just Nagata, but... Um, uh, bro, I don't know what's wrong with me. Umino? What's the name? Tiger huh? Mask. 
Yeah, but like, what group are they all part uh, of? Strong Cell. No. What is the larger unit? Oh, Hontai. Yeah, to see them <laughs> teaming up with Hontai is like super strange. Yeah. And uh, we kind of got like, the seeds planted of the story that we were going to see in World Tag League, Suzuki Nagata, you know, can they, you know, can they coexist? <laughs> can they, you know, career-long rivalry be put aside for them to actually win matches? A lot of stuff with Umino and uh, um, Suji in this match, too, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, good match here. Uh, they get the win. Uh, so, it takes the next match. We had the House of Torture. All their members, Shiktogo, Evil, Ujiro, and Kanamaru, defeating the Just Five Guys team of Doki, Sonata, Taka, and Yuyomura. The one thought I had is, like, I know that um, Naito's off the tour, but it kind of sucks seeing Sonata, who's about to headline the Tokyo Dome, still facing off with House of Torture. Like, yeah. we're still <laughs> doing this? All right. <laughs> Yeah, that, that kind of felt like uh, that was kind of flat. It's like, all right, can we move on? Can we do something different? <laughs> and then we uh, got to the semi main event here. So the never open weight six man tag team championships were on the line. Team Hall of Fame, Kazuchika Okada, Tomohiro Ishii, and Hiroshi Tanahashi. They defeated Ren Narita, Risuke Taguchi, and Tomi Okahanma. 25 minutes and 37 seconds. Yo. I talked some shit last week where I was like, you know, and and uh, I, I guess we should make mention of it again. It is November 20th. It is the first day of the World Tag League, and we are officially in the first calendar day of Keeping It Strong Style's 2024 voting period. 2023's voting period has closed officially with the start of the World Tag League today. But um, I talked some shit last week where I was like, you know, don't see anything happening on New Japan Road that might get any kind of consideration. And then these motherfuckers come out here and put in this kind of performance in the six-man tag team match, and they blew me away, bro. Like, this match just freaking ruled. Yeah, like It was great. I, I don't know what's going to make it for sure, but I have a strong feeling that this defense – might make it onto tag team match of the year consideration for our awards and bro okada ishii and tanahashi like one of this has got to be like the best tag team um or this gotta be like the best title defend or like title run for the entire calendar year of any champion including zach saber jr who i hold in very high regard like their string of defenses and high quality matches has been untouched this year yeah, these guys, their defenses have been great. They're definitely going to get a, a vote from me for a tag team of the year um, in our awards. Oh, wow. I didn't even think. Bro, they might be tag team of the year. Yeah. They probably are. Because, yeah, we, we do put six-man tag teams in that category. So, yeah. I, I We do. Yeah, we do. And I hadn't even thought. But because they're so because there are three individuals, I hadn't thought of that. They're, they're going to probably win. Yeah. Uh, but this, uh, this was great here. Like I mentioned earlier, this, this was in Hanma's hometown. So you had, um, you know, dickhead Okada uh, healing it up. You had Tanahashi healing it up and, and getting heat on these guys. Uh, and of course, Ishii, he's just doing his thing. He, he's in there, you know, just going to smash whoever. And yeah, they, they built up a lot of emotion. Uh, I mean, 
the parts where uh, Hanma was coming back and he's hitting the Kokeshis, he's hitting the, the Kokeshi on Okada, he hits the top rope Kokeshi, the crowd is going wild, they, they want to see the hometown boy pull the upset, and, you know, it's like one of those things where, like, yes, it's probably unlikely that they were going to beat these guys, but it's the never six-man titles, like, Ishii, I feel like, can get pinned by anybody, like, Tanahashi in this stage, like, he could get, like, a banana peel, like, roll up and lose, and, and it'd be okay, so, like, I think there was actually, like, a plausible chance that Taguchi, Narita, and Hanma could have won. Yeah, I, I, they they really did start to get me on some of those near falls um, down the stretch because, like you mentioned, that's the, the thing with the Never Six-Man Tag Team titles. You don't have to be a prestigious team to win it. It's the Never Openway Six-Man Tag Team. <laughs> it, it could be anybody. So, you know... Um, it really felt like maybe they were doing something kind of cool and unique and with it being in um, Hanma's hometown and, and the crowd being behind them, like you just never know. Maybe we're about to see like a, a Rudy slash Rocky underdog kind of upset sort of situation. And it didn't pan out that way, but like, damn, they like pushed the the champions to their limit. Um, the, the match was awesome. The, the interactions with Narita and Ishii like were incredible. Um, Okada playing quasi heel because he kind of knew that he needed to facilitate that role. And he sort of stepped into that, that black hat uh, kind of role that he mm-hmm. had earlier in the calendar year. Like that, that side started coming through, which that's my favorite Okada. I'm not. Oh yeah. Lie. Like I don't get why they totally abandoned that whole story of him kind of being that jumbo Saruta, you know, and taking on all, all the young guys, like, yeah, he's best when he's in that kind of heelish, uh, you know, I'm, I'm better than you, I'm going to underestimate you kind of role. Um, I loved when, like, about 18 minutes in the match, Okada went for the Rainmaker, and he and on Hanma, and Hanma did the Kokeshi. Oh, out. yes. <laughs> it was so sick. Like, and you know what's funny? Like, if you go in cage match, no one watched this. No one rated this. Yeah, This dude. match ruled. Like, ruled. Yeah, I think if you, if you miss the show, you need to fire up, you know, download your, your new NJPW World app on your phone or whatever, and you need, you need to go to New Japan Road and watch this uh, semi-main event. Yeah. Um, down the, the stretch, though, it, it who was it? It was, uh, it was uh, Narita and Tanahashi, and Narita, he was hitting uh, the Northern, Northern Lights suplexes, and he was going for one more, but then Tanahashi uh, caught him with a uh, inside cradle. One, two, three. Team Hall of Fame retains. Yeah, you know, and I have seen a couple reviews from um, like Chris Vetter and a couple uh, independent guys, and like they didn't really love this match the way I did. I don't get it. I fucking love this match. I thought it, I thought it was awesome. Um, I love this title reign. Like I'm, I'm really into it. And uh, yeah, Ren Narita kind of looked like he might have had Tanahashi's number there. And I was like, yeah, let's fucking do it. Put over <laughs> yeah. Narita. But, um, you know, I, I guess Tanahashi is like Bret Hart these days. Like, he can just catch someone with a roll-up anytime. <laughs> yeah, and also kind of, he kind of like DDT'd Narita into the roll-up, too. It looked pretty well, Remember, he was doing that during the G1. Yeah. Um. So, also, I guess he's, you know, mid-2000s Brian Danielson. Just going to small right. package. Everybody. Small package, yep. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so that oh actually yeah one more I forgot I forgot about the main event. 
yeah, so the, the main event of the show uh, was for the provisional KOPW championship. It was a special guest referee match after stipulation that won the fan vote. So Yoshi Nobu Kanemaru was a special ref, but uh, regardless of that, Taichi was able to overcome and defeat Sho. Well, and- that's not it. Kanemaru was the special guest referee, and then they stipulated that he was also not allowed to use the Saito suplex. He wasn't allowed to use the Black Mephisto. He wasn't allowed to use any sumo-style moves. And um, Sho was also banned from hitting the Shooting Star Press and the Phoenix Splash. <laughs> but... <laughs> but yeah tai chi was still able to overcome even though the entire deck was stacked against him (laughs) oh man yeah um you know this was what what you expect from a a heel being a special ref and the babyface is you know limited to do moves and you know on this kind of show with the kopw i'm like Whatever, like yeah, it, it's KOPW. It's where were they? Hamaguchi or whatever. Uh, where yeah, the fuck were they? Yamagata Big Wing. Yeah, they're in Yamagata, bro. Like, you know, it, it, it's a road. It's New Japan Road. It's not <laughs> even road to any. It's just road. Like, and the crowd did enjoy it. They had a good time. Um, I'm not gonna sit here and bullshit you and tell you that this was a classic by any means, but it did have. Some good comedy spots. There was good heat um, down the stretch. You know, show ended up uh, pulling out the the wrench, and he hit Kanemaru with the wrench on accident, which meant there was no referee. This kind of brought in all the members of the two factions. They kind of canceled each other out. Eventually, it just came down to Taichi and Show, and Taichi was able to hit him with the uh, um, last ride power bomb, and you know his pin and at that point red shoes came in and, and counted for the one two three so uh ultimately we got a redemption story where tai chi overcame the odds but all throughout the match when kanemaru it was funny like kanemaru great job <laughs> he did a great job as a as a bad guy guest referee because he literally did every heelish dick thing that thing that you could possibly do as a as a referee where like he he would be counting for show and he'd be like one Two. <laughs> or like, like uh, when they were on the outside and like doing the, the count for Tai Chi, he was like one, two, three, <laughs> four, yeah. or five. <laughs> At one point, show like left Tai Chi out in the far reaches of the crowd, like buried under a bunch of shit, and like he's doing the slow count for sh- for show and as soon as show because they're both out there but as soon as show gets through the ring and they're like at six he's like six seven eight, eight nine ten, and like all of a sudden he's like oh shit uh dude, there was a lot of other funny stuff like that too like it was fine yeah it's like if you ever play like the smackdown games and you you you, you are the referee for the match you can control it like bro when i was the referee i beat everybody up <laughs> just hit your finish you know, on everybody it, this isn't something where I'm like, go out of your way to see it. I am glad that, that Tai Chi picked up his big KOPW win at the end of the year. I don't know if they're going to do another one, probably. But as it stands now, it looks like he's probably going to wind up being the the true KOPW champion at the end of the year. <laughs> and, um, you know, the, the, the wrong was righted. Um, 
for most people, I would say if this doesn't sound like it's your cup of tea, just skip it. You, there's no reason for you to to watch it. But uh, I thought it was okay. I enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, fine. Yeah. All right, then uh, moving on from that. Uh, today we had the opening night of World Tag League, which saw the A Block in action. So we were from Cork and Hall. Today's show was free on NJPWWorld.com. So if you haven't checked it out, you can check it out for free. On the website on the app And so we'll start at the top here So the beginning of the show We had a pre-show match With a new young lion making his debut Shoma Kota And he uh, ate and lost to Oscar Loibe In uh, 4 minutes and 37 seconds Yeah um, Very very interesting Um, You know the first time we've ever gotten to see Shoma Kota uh, Very short match Uh, He kind of just got Ate up by Oscar Luebe. He yeah. showed a lot of good fire. The the best thing he did through the match was do the patented young lion drop kick. Um, and that was the one chink in the armor of Oscar where he kind of sold and and showed that he was dazed. But he I mean, I don't think Oscar Luebe ever took a bump in this match. He was never in any kind of like danger. He was never in any submission holds. And then he just beat Shoma Kota summarily in under five minutes. So very, very dominant um, match uh, on behalf of Oscar Lebe being with the power slam. Yeah, Oscar yeah, hit a big power slam there. So, you know, now we're seeing him, you know, starting to use a move as a finish. And I tweeted this out today. Like, I'm putting all my young lion stocks in Oscar. Um, I, I think he's awesome. And I, I'm ready for him, like, go on excursion and re debut. Like, I think he's, he's going to be a big star. We're at a point now, too, where it's fine for a guy like Shoma Kota to come in and kind of, um, you know, pay his dues as a, as a lion because we've graduated so many guys uh, recently that there's kind of like a, a little bit of a it's going to be some time before one of these young lion trainees that comes up is actually going to go on an excursion again. It's going to be a couple of years. So um, I'm fine with him sort of having to, uh, you know, go through these perilous waters in the <laughs> early days. Yeah. So then the uh, main car kicked off. We had Atlantis Jr. and Soberano Jr. defeating the Just Five Guys team of Doki and Taka Michinoku. So I wasn't paying attention, and I was like, oh, we're, we're getting tournament action all <laughs> night, like right from the very beginning. And I didn't even think like about the idea that Doki and Taka are like juniors, and I was like, hell yeah, Team CMLL versus Doki and the legend Taka. <laughs> Like, this is a great way to kick off this tournament. <laughs> Maybe I was a little too harsh on this tournament. And then they went out there, and they had a really cool, high-flying, fast action. I was like, this is a great way to open the tournament. Like, this is fantastic. And then, you know, Atlantis Jr. and Soberano Jr. picked up the win. And then I was like, oh, they didn't get points. That was not uh, that was not tournament <laughs> Yeah, it's a little, uh, you know, tune-up, warm-up match uh, for Team CMLL. Uh, but yeah, it was a really fun match uh, going up against Doki and Taka. Like, I, I don't know what's gotten into Taka, but he, he's just been super motivated since Super Junior Tag League. And, you know, Doki is Doki and he loves wrestling. Uh, you know, Lucha guys uh, from CMLL trying to prove that, you know, he is the real Luchador, not these top guys that come in from CMLL. Well, you know, sometimes you see people like work their way into a situation. Like, for instance, like look at the whole thing with, um, you know, and this is just it's not quite the exact same thing. But like, look at Bishamon. Like that was two guys that were kind of thrown together and you didn't necessarily see that like being a thing that could work long term. And then 
they're the premier tag team and they've carved a niche out for themselves. Maybe like these two guys are sort of looking at the, the, the field and they're like, you know, where we could really like establish ourselves is like as a top end tag team. And we we've seen Kanemaru do something similar to that when he was in Suzuki Goon. So maybe they're kind of like, if we really bust our asses and like really put in the effort, like we could be one of the premier, like, junior tag team guys and then that mm. would be their thing so i'm kind of hoping that works out for them yeah that'd be cool um but yeah i thought uh soberano and atlantis uh looked good here they did mention on commentary soberano's recent heel turn and that this would be uh you know kind of interesting to see how soberano and atlantis would team up uh but there was no dissension here <laughs> they teamed up just fine and soberano didn't seem heelish at all <laughs> technicos yes <laughs> and uh soberano did a lot of cool high flying and eventually atlantis got uh talk up in the torture rack to get the win then uh following that we had monster sauce alex zane and lance archer teaming up with Minoru suzuki and yuji nagata and they defeated the bullet club team of Bad Luck Fale, Gato, Jack Bonza, and the Bone Soldier Taiji Ishimori. Yeah, Fale and Archer definitely got into it. Jack Bonza and Alex Zane got into it. Um, fine match. I, I'm loving the Monster Sauce tag team. I'm loving Nagata and Suzuki as a team. I don't give a fuck about anything having to do with this iteration <laughs> of Bull Club. And yeah. we move on. It's funny. The, the announcement is like, all right. Bullet Club, War Dogs, Gato, Bullet Club, Rogue Army, <laughs> Bonza, Bullet Club, Taiji. It's like there's so many splinters of Bullet Club, like in just like one matchup here. Uh, yeah, but it, it, it was a, a fine matchup there. Uh, we did see the can they coexist with Nagata and Suzuki. They are in the B block. Um, so they they will have their first match um, on the 21st in, in the league, but uh, yeah, they're they're still kind of having a hard time getting along, but their team did uh, get the win for the match here when Nagata tapped out Gato with the Nagata lock number two. So then uh, moving on from there, we had the just five guys team of Sonata, Taichi, and Yuya Uemura defeating the LIJ team of Bushi, Yota Suji, and Suji's mystery partner Zandokan Jr. Bro, Zandokan Jr. is a ringer, bro. Dude, he's he's huge. <laughs> he's huge and he's very good. And I know he's supposed to be like uh, a pretty like new trainee, but like I kind of thought he was being brought in as like Suji's pin eater and I'm not saying that that still won't play itself out. It probably will. But it seems like Rocky and whoever else like that's in charge of like scoping out talent from CMLL that they like, they, they like scouted this guy and they brought him in for a reason because he's not, I'm, I'm not used to this because normally during world tag league, when they bring in a guy, it's like El Terrible or something, you know, and we're just <laughs> like, Oh, okay. He's here. Like, you know, it's whatever. Yeah. But this is, this is somebody that's like, Oh, this might be the future of fucking wrestling. <laughs> Yeah, I've I've heard good things about him in CMLL, and you know him and Suji did um, have a, a, a little friendship with uh, Suji's time and his excursion in CMLL. Uh, so yeah, so kind of our first look here of Zanacon Junior, and yeah, I, I thought he he looked great. Uh, you know, there were some issues there uh, between him and Taichi. Uh, Taichi didn't want to shake his hand 
uh, towards the beginning part of the match there. Uh, but yeah, well, well, they mentioned that the night prior during a live event that he had injured Tai Chi, and you saw the huge you know, the, giant. Yeah, the child. He had welts. Yeah, yeah, he had giant welts all over his uh, chest, and um, on the commentary, Chris Charlton was like, underneath his breath, he's like, "Who the fuck is this guy? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, why do I have to face him?" And uh, kind of teasing that maybe Zandikon Jr. has, uh, you know, his sights set on the K- the KOPW title, maybe possibly. Yeah, maybe. Um, so. Also, World Champion Sonata was there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so yeah, Elijah or the uh, Just Five Guys team, uh, they get the win here. Um, Yuya hitting the, the dead bolt on uh, Bushi. So then from there, we had the Gorillas of Destiny team of ELP, Hikaleo, and Jado. They defeated Bishamon and Yo in 10 minutes and two seconds. Yeah, big preview match for the champion versus champions uh, main event from Cork and Hall later tomorrow when this show is uh, published. So by the time you're listening to this, you'll probably already know who won that match. Yeah, so, yeah. so that was a, another good matchup there. Um, and then we got into league action here. So the, the first A block match of the evening was TMDK team of Mad Mikey Nichols and Hysterical Shane Hayes, along with the Ichiban Sweet Boy Kosei Vegeta. They defeated the Gates of Agony, Bishop Khan and Toa Leona from AEW. Yeah, 10 minutes, 52 seconds. I thought this was a very good first match of the tournament. Um you know, I, I really haven't seen a lot of Gates of Agony, and uh, I felt like TMDK did a great job working with them, giving them a lot of opportunities to kind of showcase themselves and kind of shine, and they did a great job selling for them. And um, Gates of Agony kind of came in there and sort of just beat the piss out of TMDK for a lot of the match and kind of looked like uh, the monsters that they're purported to be. So I, I thought it was a, a good uh, first match of the tournament. Um, you know, in typical New Japan fashion on big shows like this, you sort of look for the upset. So I was sort of thinking that maybe the Gates of Agony would pick up a big win over Team DK here. It didn't happen. Team DK were able to uh, kind of divide and conquer down the tail stretch, but um, Gates of Agony had a great accounting of themselves here. This is a very solid match. Yeah, similar to you, I thought that there, yeah, Gates of Agony were going to get a win here to kind of establish themselves in this block and to be a team lookout for. But yeah, TMDK got the win. But yeah, like you said, they looked good. They had some cool kind of like war um, attire for their entrance, kind of looking back to both of their cultures. Um, and yeah, very hard hitting uh, uh, matchup here. Yeah, TMDK had to use their experience and their speed to uh, kind of outmaneuver these guys. And so uh, they were finally uh, able to hit the the tank buster onto uh, Bishop Khan to get the win. So then from there, we had the House of Torture team, Evil and Yujiro Takahashi. They defeated the team of Tomo Hiroishi and Toriano in 9 minutes and 16 seconds. Every win that House of Torture picks up makes me basically raises my blood pressure a little bit and raises my <laughs> stress level. And, uh, you know, I, I'm going to need them to take some losses so I can, uh, you know, just be a little bit more chill, a little bit calmer and, and not have to worry about the possibility because with this year's tournament, with the, the idea that the top two guys get through, I just don't, I, I don't think I can stomach another 
semifinal with House of Torture involvement. Like, I just don't think I can stomach that. And it, I, it feels like this was a big win because, you know, Ishii and Yano are usually players in this tournament. Them taking a big loss to House of Torture is not a good sign. Yeah, there was a lot of shenanigans. There were several times where Ishii and Yano had the match won and the ref would get pulled out. House of Torture, it was... Uh, How's that down to automatic DQ? Uh, I that is, there's so many bad things that happen in wrestling, but, and I hate to be the guy, I've brought this up on the show so many times, but the one thing that I just don't think should ever be like uh, allowed is the referee getting pulled out of the ring. I don't know how that, of all things, is not an automatic just DQ. It should just never happen in wrestling. Right. Yeah. I think it just, yeah, it makes the refs look less credible. It makes the whole, like, the match, the promotion. Yeah. It's, it's a bad look. So, yeah, you had Yano hitting a low blow here. Uh, he get, did the schoolboy near fall. The ref gets pulled out by Nick Togo. Then they come in and, and jump him. Kanemaru and Sho come in. Uh, Kanemaru sprays the, the Tori whiskey in Yano's face. And then Evil hits the everything is evil. STO on Yano to get the pin. Yay. You notice I didn't, uh, I gave you my thoughts on the match, but I didn't break down the match in any way whatsoever. <laughs> Skip. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, semi main event. We had the Bullet Club War Dogs of Alex Coglin and Gabe Kidd defeating Kaito Kiyomiya and Rei Oiwa by countout. Oh, actually, no, it was the other way around. Actually, it was a uh, yeah Kiyomiya yeah. and Oiwa defeating the War Dogs by countout. Kiyomiya and Oiwa picked up the two points. They defeated the War Dogs on the first night. This was, I guess, somewhat maybe. It's hard to tell if it's. If it's an upset or not, I don't really know how we should view Kiyomiya at the end of 2023. And <laughs> it's really hard to, you know, there's a time where I would have said he was the favorite to win this just based on the fact that he's an ace level guy, but I don't know what the fuck's going on. Anyways, this match was my match of the night. This fucking ruled. Um, you know, I was recently listening to a, another podcast and they're previewing this tournament. They, brought up the war dogs and they're just like you know i'm over their bullshit and their shtick and blah blah and i was like you know they probably got a good point like i i don't i can't remember last time i was really into what these guys are doing and then this match happened and they came out there and they just started brawling and it, this was violent from the get-go and like them against kiyomi and oiwa but specifically i mean all of them but even more so kiyomiya and um Gabe Kid. Kid, and this kind of feeds into the ongoing feud that they had during the G1. But even prior to that, those radio comments that Gabe Kid had made about Kiyomiya and him doing the cross legged sitting in the middle of the ring, and like these guys have had heat <laughs> going back like a couple years now, mm-hmm. and it, it all came to a head here. And they were just fucking each other's shit up. It was awesome. The crowd was so into it. I was like, in like here in my office, just like, <laughs> this is what I want to see. And then, um, I really thought that the the Bullet Club War Dogs, these are two guys that, like, they've had a few big opportunities. They gave them, you know, the strong openweight tag team titles this past year. They were in the G1. But it, they even when they've been brought up to the main, you know, I don't want to say main roster, but, like, New Japan proper roster, you know, they've kind of always felt like they're still kind of working within the parameters of, like, you know, during the G1, like, Coglin was like a pin eater guy and he his every night his way of getting over was doing some big powerful move because he was going to lose almost all the matches in the tournament and Gabe Kidd's shtick was like basically attacking people before the show because 
he wasn't going to get a lot of points because they're kind of like inferior to David Finley within, within the parameters of that tournament. This is the first time that I feel like this tag team was allowed to just go out there and be themselves and actually work the way they want to work. And we always talk about guys in tournaments like this, like seizing their opportunity and show showcasing what they can do. That's what Coglin and Kid were doing. They were kicking serious ass. Like there are so many cool spots in this move in this match. Um, and then the the finish, you know, Jeremy, I, I get a, a bad rap sometimes because I'm a fan of vintage wrestling 80s and <laughs> 70s, and there's a lot of non-finishes, but I've always said that when you do like say for instance like here like a cannot finish the right way when it's built the right way it can be super satisfying and also draw more money down the line and that's what they did they did a finish here that was super heated and wasn't a cop out and played into the story and then led to more heat afterwards and regardless of what happens in this tournament they've got business down the road between Gabe Kidd and Kiyomiya. Yeah. And it's going to be fucking awesome whenever that happens. Yeah, Gabe K tweeted out today he wants Kiyomiya either at the January 2nd Noah show or January 4th in the Tokyo Dome. Or January 6th at the Capitol. But yeah, dude, I, I'm right Capital here. collision. <laughs> the, the real capital collision. The real capital collision. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I, I'm right there with you. I love this match. Uh, you know, the brawling at the beginning, you know, the, the war dogs come out first and then Kiyomiya and Oi were coming out and Gabe kids. Like, he's ready. He's ready to run it. He, he's, he's trying to get that to Kiyomiya and the young lions are trying to hold him back. You know, both in Oleg's trying to push back Kiyomiya, but yeah, they eventually, you know, get in the ring. They just start going at it, running it. And dude, they were exchanging some hard, stiff strikes, um, especially on the outside, like mm-hmm. Kiyomiya and um, kid were slapping the crap out of each other. And then, there was one point where, like, Coglin slapped the crap out of Oiwa. Coglin the, was kicking the shit out of Oiwa. And, like, they were exchanging, like, big chops on the outside. So, yeah, this was just a, a brutal, stiff, hard-hitting, like, hate-filled matchup. And, uh, you know, I thought Oiwa, you know, he's on an excursion in Noah. I thought he looked good in the matchup. You know, he's kind of developing more of his look. And him and uh, Kiyomiya were actually a pretty good team. They were hitting these, like, really great, like, tandem Double drop kicks, um, so yeah, they're kind of gelling and, and becoming a team uh, pretty well. So yeah, this was a really fun, entertaining, hard hitting matchup. I agree. If you stole the show, like if you're gonna watch one match from this card, you, you gotta watch the semi main event. And yeah, I totally agree with you about the finish. Um, you know, I, I, a lot of people are like you know, will, will probably be like, well, why don't you just have Kiyomiya pin kid or Kiyomiya pin Coglin or whatever? But you know, this plays from the G one. You know, they had they had the double count out in the G one. Now you have the, the count out win here from Kiyomiya. You still haven't pinned or submitted either of these guys. Like you said, this leaves the door open for a bigger money match. And personally, I think that they should do it at Wrestle Kingdom. The brawl afterwards that continued in in the the fallout from the match, it just kept going and going and going. And it felt very real and very heated. I mean, this was kind of like a, a small taste a little bit of like what we got from Okada and Kiyomiya earlier in January this past year. So yeah, but yeah, yeah I'm all for this. This feels more hate filled than that. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. 
And then that brought us to the main event of the evening. Ren Narita and Chota Umino. They defeated the United Empire team of Great Okan and Hanare in 24 minutes and 40 seconds. Very good match. Very good main event style tag team match that you would expect at the top of a Corkin for World Tag League. Um, I didn't, one thing I didn't like. Um, down the stretch, uh, the United Empire team just kept hitting major finishes, and Renarita and Shota Umino kept either saving each other or kicking out, and which is fine. But they, I think they went a little bit too far with that. They just kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it, and eventually it started to feel a little bit like I'm not believing that they really should even be kicking out. Like this should be the end here, mm-hmm. and it kind of made United Empire instead of like making, um, you know, the this the the new Musketeer guys look stronger. It made uh, United Empire look less credible, in my opinion. I think they went a little bit past the peak, but. Aside from that, just from the the general match itself, this was very very good. I thought all all four guys worked really well together. Narita and Umino picking up a win on the first night. I was a little surprised by that because again, I was sort of expecting them to eat an early loss and maybe have to kind of work their way back because they are my my picks and favorites to come out of the block, uh, mm-hmm. even win the tournament. But they picked up the win here after 24 minutes, and it was, it's a very good match. I still like the the match prior to it better, but in terms of like what's technically like the quote unquote you know better main event style match, this might be it. But I preferred the match prior to it. But this was very good. Yeah, I also prefer the semi main. But yeah, this was a really good match. I feel like. Um, Umino, his reactions, uh, there's a, a ton of Shota chants, and people are really kind of getting behind him when he was in peril of the match. Um, there were a ton of pink glow sticks in the crowd. Um, it, it seems like everything after that Will Ospreay match, like he has been elevated, um, and I just feel so much more like confidence oozing off of him, even you know his post-match promo. I uh, felt like there was just a lot of confidence in what he was saying, and he, he mentioned... You know, he was disappointed that it was not a sold-out house. And, you know, they're the future of New Japan. They're planning that, to, you know, to elevate the division and want, making sure that there's going to be sold-out buildings. So I thought his promo was good. A lot of confidence from both these guys. And, yeah, they're really kind of uh, gelling these guys together. They released this, like, uh, fireside chat thing where they're talking about their history in the dojo and talking about they should they, they could be great spouses for each other <laughs> so it was a really uh interesting uh interview there but uh yeah i'm digging what we're getting here so far of uh umino and narita so we're back we're back into the horniness of new japan where guys <laughs> secretly like want to fuck each other yeah yeah umino and narita from, from that that chat it seems like yeah they're <laughs> they love each other got it <laughs> So, uh, A block standing for night one. We got uh, the Musketeers, Kiyomiya and Oiwa, House of Torture, TMDK, all with two points. And then United Empire, War Dogs, Chaos, and Gates of Agony, all with zero points. Then we had a couple questions here from the Dark Soldier. What would you guys say would be a way to improve World Tag League? Easy answer is to book the tag division better, but I guess I'm looking for a different kind of answer. 
You know, I, I'm not going to answer this question because of the fact that I feel like this is the first time in, in several years where New Japan has really put their best foot forward with presenting the World Tag League, and they've made uh, improvements that are verifiable and easy to point to. Now, if if as the tournament goes on, it, it doesn't play out the way we're, you know, optimistically hoping it will, then, you know, I'll retract. But right now, I think that they've already made some positive changes, and I'm not going to suggest they do more than what they've already done this year right now. Yeah, I think we mentioned this on the show last week where Chris is on. I, I feel like this is the the best World Tag League lineup that has happened since we've been doing the show. You know, we started 2017 right before that World Tag League. So we've, we've watched them all since then. And this, I think, is one of the better lineups. And there's a lot of fresh teams. They brought in a lot of CMLL. You got AEW. You got Monster Soft. Like, they brought in a lot of fresh teams, and uh, I think that especially, you know, we get to the B block, like there are a lot of teams there I feel like they're are going to be motivated and really want to try hard, and so it's it's up in the performers now. Like if people come out like Gabe Kidd and Coughlin did and, and seize the day, then this tournament's going to be pretty fun. Yep. Uh, he also asks, he says, by the wrestling gods, what did Kiyomiya do to Kevin Kelly? Did he steal Kevin Kevin's lunch money back in the fourth grade? Does Kevin think Kaito went to the dirt sheets to reveal to them that Kevin is the reason why Kokobana is in, in New Japan? Did Kiyomiya want to use real glass? I need an explanation because this bullying is ridiculous. Uh, has Kevin, Ke- I don't know, I'm not on Twitter lately. Is Kevin continuing to do things to Kaito Kiyomiya lately? Yeah, it's, you know, he's continuing the stick that he was doing in a G1 of, you know, kind of burying Kiyomiya. I, I forgot what he said recently in, in his tweets, but, you know, essentially, you know, he was continuing to kind of dog Kiyomiya. I don't know. It might just be a gimmick. Maybe he's mad because he shoot kicked Okada in the fucking face <laughs> the way he did. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, so that's it for night one. Uh, tomorrow, November 21st, by the time you guys are listening to this, we'll have a night two action, which will open up with the pre show. Yuto Nakashima will be taking on a debuting young lion, Katsuya Murashima. So that'll be interesting to see how he does against Nakashima. And then we got Oscar Loibe and Tokyo Mahanama taking on the Gates of Agony. Kiyomiya, Bolton Oleg, Oiwa taking on Callum Nguyen, Great Okan Hanare, Master Wato, Narita Umino, and Tiger Mask taking on the Bullet Club team of Coglin, Kid, Gato, and Taiji Shimori. We'll have House of Torture, Dick Togo, Evil, and Yujiro taking on TMDK, Vegeta, Nichols, and Haste. And then B Block Action will kick off. We will have Minoru Suzuki and Blue Justice Yuji Nagata taking on Team CMLL of Atlantis Jr. and Soberano Jr. Then we'll have the Monster Sauce team of Alex Zane and Lance Archer taking on the Bullet Club Rogue Army team of Bad Luck Fale and Jack Bonza. Then the semi-main event, we're going to have the Just Five Guys team of Taichi and Yuyomura taking on Zandakan Jr. and Yota Suji. And then the main event will be champion versus champion Bishamon, Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi, will take on the strong openweight tag champions, Girls of Destiny, El Fantasmo, and Hikaleo. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any matches you're looking for on uh, night two? 
Um, I am interested to see Zandikon Jr. in action uh, for the first time. Um, I think him and Suji against Taichi and Yuya, Yuimura is probably going to be very interesting, especially with uh, the history between Suji and Yuimura, which definitely played into the preview match leading to this one. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Minoru Suzuki and Yuji Nagata versus Team CMLL. Uh, that one is going to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I think the champion first champion match is going to be a lot of fun. I, I could see Phantasmo uh, and Higaleo getting the upset win. Um, I could do. I'm just going to say it, Jeremy, just throwing it out there. I am not into this team of El Phantasmo <laughs> and Higaleo. They do nothing for me. I, and I like both guys separately, but this tag team, I'm not interested in it whatsoever. I, I want to see El Phantasmo like, do something singles. substantial. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, just throwing it out there. <laughs> uh, Want to run us through uh, night three? Yeah, so uh, night three, we are coming from Yokohama Budokan on November 23rd. Yuto Nakashima will take on Shomakota in the opener. Uh, Atlantis Jr., Sobrano Jr., Tiger Mask take on the Bull Club team of Bad Luck Fale, Jack Bonds, and Taiji Shimori. Wato, Suzuki, Hanma, and Nagata versus the LIJ team of Bushi, Hiromu, Suji, along with Zandikon Jr. Fourth match of the night, Bishamon and Alex or, and Oleg Bolton taking on Monster Sauce and Oscar Luebe. Fifth match of the night, uh, El Fantasmo, Hikaleo, and Jado of G.O.D. take on Just Five Guys team of Doki, Taka, and Yuya Uemura. Tournament action, we have Gates of Agony versus Chaos. Keito Kiyomiya and uh, Oiwa versus the United Empire. Semi-main event, Narita and Umino versus the Bullet Club War Dogs. And then your main event of the evening, TMDK versus the House of Torture. Yeah, there's there's some interesting matchups here. I, I'm looking forward to uh, War Dogs versus uh, Musketeers. I feel like if they bring that same energy that they brought from night one into this matchup here, like Gabe Kin and Narita, <laughs> exchanging strikes could be a lot of fun. Everything in this block is pretty interesting to me, except for anything having to do with House of Torture. But I'm kind of hoping hoping that uh, Team DK picks up the big win here in the main event. But uh, even like Gates of Agony versus Ishii and Yano, I, I know Yano's there, but the Ishii side of it, that might be pretty interesting. Yeah, Ishii and uh, Toa Yona uh, going in there I think could be a lot of fun. Yeah, and, you know, Kiyomi and Oiwa versus United Empire looks really good. This is a good lineup, just the main event's a little weak. But uh, like you, I think Narita and Umino versus the War Dogs, probably the the one to look out for. Yeah. Then night four, November 24th, we got Oscar Lobe against uh, Katsuya Murashima, Master Wato, Ren Narita, and Shota Umino versus the Gates of Agony and Yuto Nakashima, uh, Bishamon and Yo. And Gucci taking on Coglin Kid, Gato, and Ishimori from Bullet Club. LIJ team of Bushi, Hiromu, Shingo taking on House of Torture team of Dick Togo, Evil, and Yujiro. Then United Empire, Cal Newman, Great Okan, and Hinare taking on TMDK, Vegeta, Nichols, and Haste. And then B Block Action will have Atlantis Jr. and Soberano Jr. taking on the Bullet Club Rogue Army. We'll have Suzuki and Nagata taking on Zanakan Jr. and Yotatsuji. Then semi-main event will have the tag champs Bishamon taking on Monster Sauce. And then the main event will see the strong openweight tag champs ELP and Hikaleo taking on 
Taiji and Yuya Yomura. Yeah, um, taking a look, and this is night four, you said, right? Yeah. Um, I think Monster Sauce versus Bishamon's the first thing that really gets my attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also looking forward to the dads versus Suji and Z. And Z. Yeah, I, I think I, I want to see like Suji mix it up with Suzuki and Nagata. Uh, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Nice. World Tag League Night 5 from Fujizawa City, Akabadai Cultural Gymnasium, 11-24-23. Uh, we open up with Yuto Nakashima taking on Katsuya Murashima. Second match of the night, Atlantis Jr., Old Bolton, and Soberano Jr. taking on Monster Sauce and Oscar Luebe. Third match of the night, Goto, Yo, and Yoshihashi, uh, along with Taguchi, take on the Bull Club's Fale, Gato, Bonza, and Ishimori. Fourth match of the night, we have Wato, Suzuki, Hanma, and Nagata taking on just five guys, Doki, Sonata, Taka, and Yuimura. Fifth match of the night, the LIJ team of Bushi and Suji, along with Z, taking on G.O.D.'s ELP, Hikaleo, and Jado. Getting into the tournament action, we have Narita and Umino taking on the Gates of Agony. Seventh match of the night, Chaos versus the War Dogs. Semi-main event, Kiyomiya and Oiwa versus the House of Torture. And then in your main event, we have TMDK taking on the United Empire's Okan and Hanare. Yeah, I think the thing for me here that I think is going to be probably the most fun to watch is Ishii and Gabe Kid and Ishii and Alex Coughlin mixing it up in, in that matchup. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think the main event also is going to be very interesting. Uh, keep in mind what happened during the G1 this past year where Mikey Nichols dumped Hanare on his neck. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, And that was a very hard-hitting match. So I'm thinking we're probably going to see something uh, akin to that uh, in the main event on that evening. Yeah, so that should be fun as well. Then that takes us to night six, which will be the last night that will happen before we record again next week, uh, November 26th. We'll have uh, Gates of Agony and Hanma and Nakashima taking on the Bull Club team of Alex Coughlin, Gabe Kidd, Gato, and Taiji Shimori. United Empire team of Cal Newman, Great Okan Hanare against the House of Torture team of Dick Togo, Evil, and Yujiro. The Chaos team of Ishii, Yano, and Yo against the TMDK team of Vegeta, Nichols, and Hayes. Kiyomiya, Bolton Oleg, Oiwa, and Oscar Loibe taking on, oh, hold on, oh, sorry, it's Kiyomiya, Bolton Oleg, and Oiwa teaming up, taking on Oscar Loibe, Red Narita, and Shoto Umino. And then the block action will have Elias Jr. and Soberano Jr. against Monster Sauce, Bishamon against the Rogue Army, Suzuki and Nagata against Taichi and Yuomura, and then the main event will be Phantasmo and Hikaleo against Zandakon Jr. and Yota Suji. Yeah, I'm, I'm really digging um, the CMLL team as well as Monster Sauce. That will be a very good and fun opener. And then um, I've kind of got the semi-main event targeted because it's going to be the first time we see Taichi and Suzuki opposite one another mm. in this tag league. And that's uh, going to also be you know something to look out for. Yeah. That should, that should be a lot of fun. Plus, the, the very hard hitting stuff there. I think with all those those guys in there, and I think it'd be a good matchup for you. You're more too kind of being with all those experienced guys. Yeah. Well, we got five nights of World Tag League action coming in just the the course of a week. So 
Um, we will have coverage on that live next week. Let's jump into the news. So um, first uh, bit of business, members of the International Fan Club team and JPW USA will be available to purchase tickets to stardom shows on uh, December 29th at uh, Ryogoku Sumo Hall and January 4th at Tokyo Dome City Hall from the comfort of their own homes. Ticket sales are limited to members of Team NJPW USA. Visit njpw1972.com for more details. Um, it's also been reported by multiple outlets that WWE yet again has interest in signing Kazushika Okada. The Wrestling Observer reports that the reason Nakamura is getting pushed right now is to show Kata that this regime will be doing um, will not be doing stereotypical booking of Japanese talent. And we did have a question here from Lee Chang is Bay too. If Okada does decide to leave for the WWE, who becomes the next ace? And will New Japan go through a new dark age if he does leave? So yeah, interesting question. I, I feel like you know if New Japan knows that Okada is leaving, then. Unlike what they're doing with Will Ospreay, I, I make sure Okada is putting over a bunch of people on the way out. If, uh, he's gonna, he's gonna, you know, put over Suji. He's gonna put over Yamura. He's gonna put over Narita. He's gonna put over Umino. He's gonna put over all these young guys on, on the way out. Uh, I think one of those guys would also be positioned to be the next ace, probably being uh, Shota Umino. Uh, will they go through dark ages? I don't think so, but if they don't properly elevate somebody new, then they probably are going to have a harder time making as much money as they do with Okada on top. I, I think it would be cataclysmic if they lost Okada at this stage, to be honest with you. Although there's probably some Naito fans out there that are crossing <laughs> their fingers and just hoping like, <laughs> oh God, please. <laughs> Um, last bit of news, Will Ospreay defeated Josh Alexander last week on Impact. So I guess that's still news. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, we had just uh, two other questions here, and then we'll wrap things up. Uh, Lee Chang is Bay 2 says, how big will the pop be when Takami Obari gets fired at Wrestle Kingdom 18 and Big Papa Harold May returns running down the ramp like he did at Wrestle Kingdom 12 and reclaims his rightful position as president of New Japan, LOL. I, I think it was Dominion where he ran down the ramp, I, but maybe I, I don't know. I can't recall, but I would. I love Harold May. I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the, the first time was Dominion. He might have done something at Wrestle Kingdom too. He might have done it again. I don't know. <laughs> That'd be so funny. Uh, and then uh, the Discord Daddy MJS PR says, "Do you think any dads will be retiring in 2024?" Us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's hard to say. I mean, I think probably first person up is probably probably Tenzon, right? That needs see a Tenzon. Yeah. So I mean, he he's still <laughs> going. I mean, they don't really use him in much spots. He's, he's mainly in multi man stuff. So if anybody were to go next year, I would say him, and then what? Maybe possibly Togi Makabe next, maybe. I mean, or I Nagata. Could, I could see Nagata or Suzuki leaving. Yeah. Uh, Hama. You never know. Yeah. Tanahashi. <laughs> uh, Tiger Mask. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's it for the questions. Um, we're still we're still on hold for recommended match of the week, right? Yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I think we're just gonna. I mean. 
I think we should just move to, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Okay. Just, just like the, uh, continental classic. We'll, we'll figure it. We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. But we're not going to, that, that, I don't even, bro. I, I can't believe I found out about this on the air. That, that's actually good for, you know, live, like instant react, like real reaction. <laughs> Ugh, what the fuck? I, my stomach is turned. I fucking hate that. Do other people hate it as much as me? Oh yeah, there was a lot of people upset. I didn't uh, hear anything in any of our group chats about it. Like, well, not not none of our people in our group chat really. I don't think our care, but like a lot of the New Japan fans and outlet were very upset that Eddie Kingston's not going to put somebody over for the strong title. Oh yeah, he's not putting somebody over. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my god, we are such cucks. <laughs> yes, we we New Japan Shinihan we. <laughs> And yeah, the whole thing, you know, Tony Khan is saying that, you know, there will be absolutely no outside interference uh, for the Continental Classic. I saw that and I just thought, like, why the fuck would you make that announcement for these matches as though you couldn't make that announcement for all of your matches? Like, it, it, does, it doesn't logically make sense. Right. All, all your matches should have no no outside. No interference. What are you saying right now? Yeah, I don't know. To me, like that screams there is gonna be interference. <laughs> no, to me that screams there is no actual kayfabe. Like hint, hint, wink, wink. Like oh yeah, we know about the interference in the regular matches, but these ones aren't gonna have it. These are gonna be real. These will be real. This is all right. <laughs> Fuck off. This tur- this tournament's gonna be a shoot. <laughs> <laughs> This tournament will be contested under brawl for all rules. Anoki, Anoki won. <laughs> well, Anoki's family was uh, backstage at uh, Full Gear. Yeah, bro. I, I I watch. Never mind. I'm not gonna get it. I don't want. I'm not gonna talk about Full Gear because I'll I'll piss people off. <laughs> well, uh, let's uh, shut it down here then. Like like I said uh, at the top of the show, next week we will be joined by Walker Stewart, the new voice of English commentary for New Japan. So be on the lookout for that uh, interview coming next week, and we will review uh, those five World Tag League nights that will be happening and covering any other uh, big news or meltdown that happens in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. So if you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation. Visit socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. Make sure to connect with us on social media on X. We are at KI Strong Style. You can follow the network at Social Suplex. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan on Facebook. We are Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. Also, you can find us in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group. Check out our Discord channel. Look for the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Follow us on Instagram at Social Suplex. You can follow us on Reddit. I'm the pro black guy. Josh is keeping a strong style. You can email me, Jeremy, at socialsuplex.com. Check out all the other shows that we have here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. One Nation Radio with Rich Latta and James Boyd. All Things Elite with Floyd Johnson Jr. and Austin Sumowitz. Imps WWE Adventure with the Implications, Matthew Mayer, and Wrestling Art with Chris Things. 
Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping a Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Ichiban. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.